Well, welcome back everybody to a very special edition of Grounded. This podcast is not so much about being grounded as taking off just in time for getting back into the sky for some of us. And some of us have been very busy in 2020 doing some very amazing things. One of those people is a fellow Victorian, Kathy Mexted, editor of Air Sport magazine, writer for Outback magazine, pilot, mum, and now a published author of a full-length book. She got right into lockdown and finished her book, Australian Women Pilots, sent it off to the publisher, and it's being released in bookstores this weekend, Sunday the 1st of November. I've previewed the book and I'm picking it's a winner. It truly is a cracker read and I wouldn't be sharing it with you if I didn't really think that. It's 10 short stories and can be read in one sitting over the space of an evening or in your sunroom with a coffee or to share with your children. It's so perfectly placed for 15 minute reads. It's adventuresome, warm and funny and just what we need right now, inspiring. And Kathy's agreed to share with me some more of the book, her journey, and her least favourite subject, herself. So thank you for taking the time to have a chat with me today. I know you've been very busy with launch activities for the book. You're not new to this writing gig, so tell us a little bit about Kathy Mexted. Who is she when she's at home? Uh, it's a good question, Ange. Normally I'm telling people about other people. <laughs> don't like talking about myself. So, I am the fifth of eight kids. I grew up in a small country town called Finlay. I moved to Melbourne when I was 18 and did all the usual travelling, moving, having fun stuff. Um, I got married at 33 and I've pretty much lived at Hanging Rock for the last 25 or six years, 25 years. And so, when did you start writing and why? At 43, I had my last baby, the third one, and at 45, I... I don't know, I just had a revelation. I thought, I think I'll be a writer. <laughs> I'd never thought about it. Well, I'd thought about it but never imagined I could do it. But with the advent of email, it was easy to pitch stories and find magazines and be able to get my work published. And it was something I could do from home. But, I, yeah, I really wanted to write for magazines. I just love the magazine format. Um, that's what I've been doing for about 10 years. And then five years ago, I became editor of Airsport magazine. And I love that job. And in that time, I've also written this book. And Australian Women Pilots is not to your first manuscript. You do have a few more in the bottom drawer, I believe. So talk to me about the journey leading up to this book. So the journey as such, I think, began when I began writing. I asked a friend, where do I start as a writer? Where do I get work and how do I get published and what do I do? And the advice that came back said, just start writing and see where it takes you. And I thought that was really useless advice. <laughs> I wanted names and email addresses and phone numbers. And so what happened then was just one night I was uh, home with the kids and I had the flu and I just set up and wrote a blog post about that and sent it out to friends. It was kind of a funny story about how did I get to be the one that stayed home with the kids. And... Um, and when I had the flu. And so there's a lot of encouragement from that story. People said it was funny and that I should write a book. And that's the worst thing you can say to somebody because that was about 13 years ago. <laughs> and so once somebody said you should write a book, I just kind of couldn't get that out of my head. 
So um, I started writing a book about pilots' wives, just collecting stories from other women that I knew. And I started researching the historical pilots. So I looked at, who's the dude on the $20 note? Lawrence Hargrave, the most important man. I researched his wife, Margaret, and how her life turned out, you know, being married to this inventor who filled the basement with with his inventions, you know, steam engines and prototype box kites and things. And the people around them thought that he was quite mad because he was trying to fly and that was so unheard of at that time. So I looked at her life, Kingsford Smith's wife, Mary, Mary Durack, who was married to Horry Miller from WA. He set up MMA Airlines. Bettina Gorton, who was married to John Gorton, the Prime Minister, who was a World War II pilot. You know, I really enjoyed doing that book because I could relate. On some level, I could relate to every one of them. So then when I was asking people about pilots' wives, they'd always come back with women pilot stories. And I thought, well, maybe that's the book I should be writing first. (laughs) So it was when I was at that conference in Victor Harbour for the Women Pilots Association Mm -hmm. and I heard 88-year-old Patricia Toole speak about her experiences in New Guinea in 1953. So she was the first woman to fly up there. And she had remarkable adventures, which culminated in a story about a forced landing into the jungle onto the Kiang River. And she was out there for 40 hours. They found her and they dropped her some supplies. That included a gun, a bottle of rum, some inedible food, and I think some cigarettes and water. (laughs) So (laughs) the greatest line in the book is when Jock McGregor, the young patrol officer, comes stomping through the jungle in the rain and the dark and they greet each other and she says, Jock, would you like a rum? As though though they're about to have a cup of tea. He thought that was a brilliant idea because he'd been walking for 12 hours and so they sat down and she poured the rum and he rested his feet and she debriefed. And, and, And this was an entirely true story, but it was like listening to an Indiana Jones book, wasn't it? Yeah. I, when she told the story about her first day in Wewak, and she'd only just arrived, she'd already had an engine catch fire in Port Moresby on day three of her employment, arrived in Wewak, and the men were all waiting to see who this bird was, you know, and they all had a bet that she'd be an old bat, and when she, with the long legs of the blonde with fabulous hair, because she used to be a hairdresser, stepped from the, the Norseman, they nudged the boss and said, what are you going to do with her? And he just turned around and said, I think I'll marry her, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but there was work to do, you see, so she wasn't there just to be married off. She was flying. And so her and her chief pilot were sent off on a trip that afternoon. And she said in her speech, and then the, the propeller came sharply into view because the engine had stopped dead. And that was a great pity, I thought, because it was the only one we had at the time. (laughs) It was the only one. (laughs) I do remember that. And she just said it totally deadpan. It was it was wonderful. Well, I, I think I think I can talk about this. Well, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I know this bit is not in the book. Um, and you'll have to read the book to find out who she did eventually marry. Anyway, Pat went on to fly in Papua New Guinea for some years and also owned a coffee plantation. But, but when she returned to Australia, she thought, oh, well, I'll go back to flying. She was only 70 or something, as you do. Um, but, of course, licences don't expire. So she, she rocks up to the licensing authority of the, at the time, whatever that was, and says, um, I'd like to renew my licence. And they 
said, sure, okay. And then they sort of turned to the computer and said, well, uh, well, what's your licence number? And she said, oh, I don't know, 279 or whatever it was, some ridiculously tiny early number. And they said, oh, no, 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 that's, that's impossible. It has to be five numbers at least. And she said, no, it's 279. And she had to actually go and get the paper licence out to prove it. <laughs> The computer wouldn't take anything less than five numbers, so they, they just didn't believe it. She was actually one of the very first people to have a proper licence. It wasn't even paper, I don't think. It, what was it? She handed over her old pasteboard licence. <laughs> That's right. And the guy said, this is an antique. And she said, well, what does that make me, young man, because it's yes. mine. <laughs> she was an extraordinary woman. Um, but just getting back to the book, there are, there are many, many more extraordinary women in the book. So, so tell us, is it, is it an adventure anthology, a drama, a biography, portmanteau? <laughs> uh, what, what are we talking about here? Well, when I finished Pat's story, um, I knew I loved her story so much, I just knew I had to tell that story in some form that wasn't in a magazine that would be here today and gone tomorrow. So because the book idea had been being tossed around, I decided that's it, I've got the start, I've got the best story I've ever heard. I researched Nancy Bird then and wrote about Nancy because I think she's very well known and she's not always understood. So I just wanted to tell her story again so that people can actually see who she was and what she did in the early days, what she was known for. And then I contacted Georgia Maxwell, who I did profiled for Outback magazine about five or six years ago, and she's an ag pilot and a fire bomber. And hers is a great story too, just the determination and the training that they do for both those jobs is unlike anything else. Probably aerial mustering might be the closest. So we went into a fair bit of detail about the training and about her career progression from a university graduate to being the only female fixed-wing firebombing pilot flying the 802 in Australia. Mm -hmm. And the youngest is 33, Nicole, and she's just, she's with the RAF. She's still flying. Mm -hmm. I kind of went from Nancy in the 30s and then picked one out of each decade through to now. And each story had to have an adventure or a drama, and so that's how I went about choosing the stories. I've had people already, after yesterday's TV interview, contacting me to say, you know, I wish I'd known because one guy said my aunt was such and such and there's hundreds of great stories but I can only fit ten in a book. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a book of women pilots' adventures. But, but just on that note, this was one of the questions I had planned for you later on but I'll ask it now. So, so as a member of the Australian Women Pilots Association, and I, I'm a member too, and, and Women in Aviation International, we both know that there are so many amazing women pilot stories out there. Are there, are there enough for another book, a, a, a sequel? Is it too early to ask? <laughs> are you up for it? <laughs> Somebody asked me that the other day um, and I said, I think I read the stats, there were something like 1,694 women pilots in Australia, licences issued, that's a lot of books and that would be probably 162 <laughs> years out of my life. Uh, so there will be then. <laughs> uh, so tell me, what feedback are you getting from the early release? I mean, I know what I think, and I, and it is a fabulous read, but, but what are you hearing? What is your publisher hearing? Oh, the publisher's really happy. Mine's more commercial, possibly, than what they normally publish. And so they did a first print run, and it sold out three weeks before it was 
released. And so they've had to go to a second print run. So they're pretty happy with that. They're happy with the publicity because, you know, people like Angela Stevenson call me up and say, can you do a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Maybe maybe I I know what you were telling me when I spoke to you on the phone the other day about your local bookstore running out of pre-orders. Maybe maybe you could tell me that story again. Uh, Hey, I I guess they get lots of people ringing up and saying, I've written a book. Uh And so he got me on the phone. I've written a book, Woody. I've written a book. And he said, oh, yeah, good on you. And so um, it came time to order the book, but he'd left it a bit late. And he rang me and he said, I've got bad news. And I thought, oh. And he said, well, it's good news for you, but he said they've sold out and I can't get any copies till the middle of November. And I said, well, that's going to slow us up, isn't it? <laughs> so so, so why, why is it being snapped up, do you think? Uh, I think that it's a very strong cover with Georgia Maxwell sitting on the wing of the fire bomber. Mm-hmm. The women pilots are thrilled that somebody's finally recognised them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have said they're just looking for something positive to read after this terrible year that we've had. Some people have said I've bought it for my father, which is interesting, a book on women pilots for an older man. And I just want to say to them, could you give it to your father and then ask him to read it to your daughter? So I've had a school teacher who's very excited about it, a couple of school teachers, a few, actually. Um, and so I did a Zoom call yesterday with grade three at Ganmain Primary School, which is west of Wagga. Yeah, it's been a really mixed response, but it just seems, I don't know, whether people have not heard of women pilots or not thought about them or wanting to know more. Actually, the bookshop in Moree said to me, I think it'll sell well up here, not only because of the cover, because Georgia comes from up northern New South Wales, but because the women out there are always looking for good, strong women's stories. She said, I recommend you do a book tour when the borders open. Yes, yes, when those borders open. (laughs) So talking about great stories, perhaps you could give us a bit more about one of the other stories in the book. We've spoken about Pat's stories and let the cat out of the bag a bit, but but is there another story that you could give us just a bit of a taste of? (laughs) She's quite a private person, and so I don't like to drag her story out in the open too much. But, <laughs> but, um, but the story is going to be out there now, right? <laughs> she is in the book, and it is the story that stopped the publishing meeting. The publisher wrote to me, and she said, we were discussing content and layout, and she said, I asked a question about maps. And everybody said, "What's what about, why do you need those maps? What's And so she started telling the story, and she just gave them, you know, a couple of lines and they all said, what the hell? Then what happened, you know? So she said, I had to tell them the whole story. So that story is Lynn Gray and it's number six in the book. Mm-hmm. Lynn is the most unassuming woman and she was very low-key when I was interviewing her. She was just very, oh, yeah, this is what happened, you know, no troubles. <laughs> and as she's telling me the story, I'm thinking the tone of your voice is completely in contradiction to the story, the words that are coming out of your mouth. (laughs) So the story is that Lynn was a ferry pilot and she was flying a Seminole from California to Sydney. Lynn was about in her late 40s and she'd been flying not 10 years. Yeah, yeah, 10 years she'd been flying. And she had a young guy named Christian and he was about 27 and in the other plane, in tandem, was Ray Clamback and his young p- 
pilot, uh, co-pilot, 23-year-old Tom Kasker. And so the two aeroplanes are heading for Hawaii over the ocean when Lynn and Christian noticed something not right on the outside wing. And Lynn reached back just to check the ferry fuel, just to sort of give the bladder a squeeze to make sure it was still nice and taut and full. And it wasn't. And it was, you can imagine the horror when it was um, very, very mushy. And so the alarm bells... I can't. I have to stop you there. I can't (laughs) actually imagine the horror of finding my aircraft's ferry tank bladder was nearly empty. I I, I just can't. Christian, um, see, this is a good example of where Lynn sort of went, oh, my God. But Christian explained it beautifully, you know, when he said, I couldn't believe that it was such an emergency when it was a beautiful fine day. There was no fire or flames or screaming sirens. I had my instructor with me and we had full fuel, you know, in the main tanks. He said it felt like everything was normal, but we were in deep trouble. So um, Lynn sent him back to see what was happening and she said, would it be like six hours worth? And he said, no, four hours worth? No. (laughs) And it got worse and worse and worse until it was hardly, the thing was nearly empty. Um, They had to shut down the left side engine in case it caught fire and melted the wing off. So Ray contacted the Coast Guard and Coast Guard gave them the GPS coordinates for a ship and so they flew to the ship and then they said goodbye. Um, I said to Lynn, what happened then? What was it like? And she said, well, they just kept going to Hawaii and we had to prepare for the ditching. And I said to Tom in the other plane, I said to him, how was that? And he said, oh, you want a visual? Here's a visual. Christian said to Tom, he said, say goodbye to my wife if we don't make it. Oh, good grief. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. And so they flew off not knowing what they could. Um, we have to read the book to find out what happens next. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I was just about to say, not too much now, not too much now. We definitely want people to actually read the book. <laughs> and, and, and just before I let you go, you finally finished. It's with the publishers. You're sitting around. You're waiting for it to come out at the bookshops, and you're so, so excited about it. But you're also thinking, well, what do I do now? So, so what did you do then? Well, it's a funny feeling when it goes to the publisher because um, you know you can't do any more to it. <laughs> so um, I got rather creative. One night I had the iPad in my hand and I was thinking about how much I love these stories and love these women. And I started designing handbags or ba- tote bags. And I sat up in bed and I thought, I just have to get this out. It's like a creative urge where I couldn't stop until I'd drawn 10 bags, each one themed to one of the stories. And anyway, we got three of them um, made up locally in Victoria. So one of them is themed on Pat Tool's story. It's got a pocket for the rum. And one is after the cover girl. She has a story about a pink shirt. And the other one is about Lynn and the ditching. And it's got a cactus on it. And you'll have to read the story. (laughs) And again, you'll have to read the story to find out about the cactus. (laughs) Oh, dear. You might even learn an awesome new word. (laughs) So... So, so where can we find the book, The Merchandise? What's your website? So my website's kathymexted.com.au. The book is at any bookshop, and if not, they can order it in. It's in Dimex. I think it's in Big W, and you can order it through Booktopia. You can also download it as a digital copy. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Kathy. That's been that's been fabulous. No worries, Ange. Thank you. I hope there's something useful in there. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, everybody will have heard just enough of the stories to want to get out there and snap up the book.
And I want to point out that you definitely do not need to be a pilot to enjoy this book. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Just to recap, the website is www.kathymexted.com.au. That's Kathy with a K. You can find the book at any bookshop. If not, they can order it in or order it online through Booktopia and you can download it as a digital copy. It's just in time for Christmas too. So thanks so much for joining us. I hope you get as much from the book as I did. And yes, I am looking forward to the sequel, Kathy. <laughs> I'm Angela Stevenson for Right Speak Fly. Never forget how lucky we are to be in this industry. Spread your wings and spread the love of aviation. And don't forget, you can always go round. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>